This is Anatomy of Addiction. I'm Marilyn Spiller. Can you take your family or support system to rehab with you? Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Sanford clinical therapist, Carly Knopfsinger. Carly is the creator and facilitator of the Sanford Family Program for Addiction Treatment. She's a wealth of information, so I'll get right to it. As always, we are sponsored by Sanford Behavioral Health, serving all of Michigan and beyond with integrative programs for addiction, eating disorder, and co-occurring mental health conditions. If you have any questions or are struggling, please don't hesitate to call us. 844-776-9651. And without further ado, here's the show. originator and facilitator of the family program at Sanford Behavioral Health. Why don't we start by you defining what family means to us? Okay. When I think of family and our family program, particularly at Sanford and our clients, family is whatever our client decides they consider family to be. And so sometimes it's family of origin, this brother's sister's parents. It can include grandparents and it has included aunts and uncles. It can be multiple generations of people, but it also can be one of the families of choice kind of situations where people are close to significant others in their life, whether that's boyfriends, girlfriends, fiancés, and special people that have meant something to them. Our family program, Marilyn, actually start with our family education program. That's like the first phase of our family program. Anyone that would like to attend is welcome to that has a significant relationship to our client that's in treatment that begins to get the ball rolling on recovery because the client is talking to their family members about coming and learning about the disease that they are experiencing. Okay, well, let's talk about why it's important for the loved ones of our clients to be involved in their recovery. Recovery. Okay. Well, th- that's that's huge. <laughs> However, the reason that it's it's just so important for families to be involved in treatment is that families can influence the recovery environment of a person that comes out of treatment or is still involved in treatment. And I have to say, when I say this, I can imagine someone listening to this who has just been through the process of addiction with someone and thinking, oh yeah, where was that influence two years ago when I was trying to get them to go? Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to minimize that desperate, hopeless kind of sensation and the frustrations that went along with active disease. But the difference now, and the now I'm referring to is after someone stops using and they've had some information about their disease and they're getting a sense of, oh my gosh, 
maybe I can do this. They are ready to listen. They are ready to be influenced. So families have a huge influence on setting a recovery environment in their home. Then let's talk specifically about the family program. What are the phases of the family program and how does it work? Okay. Phase one, actually, honest to God, is our our education program. It's a four-session series. We want people that come into our support groups to all have the same amount of information on the disease. So we have this four-session series, and I'll just quickly run through the titles. It's How Addiction Becomes a Family disease. And then another session is understanding the addictive disease process. Another session is understanding post-acute withdrawal syndrome and dynamics of early recovery. And our very last session in our series is communication for the recovering family. And that's short, sweet, and to the point and covers just the basic information that a family would need to know to be actively supporting their loved one in recovery. So once everybody has that groundwork laid, then we have a three-phase program of family support. And two stages of the program are like every three months. People go for three months in one phase, and they go three months in another phase. And then they go into the last phase, which is what we call quarterly family recovery tune-ups. But to get specific for you, phase one meets weekly for an hour, and that group shares and talks about their thoughts, their feelings, and their behaviors as they interact with their newly recovered loved one. This phase has two groups in it, two groups going at the same time because we want to keep these groups a little smaller. I do one of those support groups in phase one. And Caroline, who's one of our residential therapists, does the other group in phase one. And we find that it's helpful to have two groups, not only for size and ability to pay attention to what's going on with our participants, but also sometimes parents and and partners of the loved one don't want to be in the same group. You know, so we do separate people because that's that's appropriate. We have two of those groups and that group, like I said, it's simply sharing and feeling like they're in a place where they can talk and they can talk with people that have had the same experience that they've had. And I have to tell you, folks love that group. That goes on for three months. Then our phase two meet every other week. And that also goes on for three months. And in that group, we get a little bit more specific about issues for families to deal with. And we we meet every other week for an hour. And the participants of the group actually come up with topics that they want to hear about. For example, we just finished doing a three three session presentation on recurrence of disease and how to deal with it and what causes it and just all the dynamics around that so people had really good information and so that group is divided into two half hour segments so you're I, talking about someone has has been in recovery and then relapses or has a a recurrence yeah okay a recurrence okay. of active disease and so you know we we talk about that recurrence for about a half hour 
And then after some of that specific information is given, then folks in the group take that and apply that to what's been going on in their life. And then phase three is the quarterly family tune-up. And that one's a little different. It meets once every quarter and it's a two-hour meeting. Participants pretty much choose what they want to hear about. And there's an hour presentation and there's material that is shared with them prior to this discussion. And so they come with, you know, a little more knowledge maybe than they had before. And also they have filled out some kind of paperwork about the topic and how it applies to themselves. And we get into it a little deeper. The whole idea of having this three-phase program is that we're trying to meet the needs of someone that's in a growth process. So right at first, people just need support. Then they need a little bit more information. Then they got to practice that information. And then they come together after living it and trying it. And so that's our, our quarterly meeting is actually like our alumni group for families that can people can go to that forever. Are children involved at all? That's a good question. We will allow a mature 15-year-old or older to be in, in our education group and two people per client in a family join the support groups because we can't take everybody's grandma, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, but it's the two people that the client is choosing to be their primary support. So that's another way we we begin to discuss this perspective of it's the whole family's in on it and our client gets to say who they're using as support. Can all of our clients participate, families participate in the the program at every level of care? Yes. Yeah. So if someone's in detox, let's say someone has a family member in detox, they're certainly welcome to join. Lots of our clients will go through all the levels of care with us. Families at every level are welcome to join. Okay. And is there a cost for it? There's not any cost at all. Sanford sees the family and the influence of the family as a really important aspect of recovery. It comes along with going to treatment at Sanford, whether you're in a residential program or you're in an outpatient program. Okay. I know you you personally have developed this program over time. I've seen it change and morph. How do you feel about the format now? Oh, I'm guessing it's not in a final phase because nothing's (laughs) ever final as long as we're here. It has changed over time as we learn by doing. This whole family program from education through quarterly family tune-ups is relatively new. You know, we've reduced the time that people are in every level. We always will be fine-tuning it. But down the road, my big dream in my head, if you really want to know it, is I would love to see Sanford do one day workshops on weekends for family members where people will select to go to different groups that apply to areas where they need to beef up their own recoveries. I can see that happening down the road. What happens if a Sanford patient doesn't have family involved, doesn't want family involved, and is there ever a family or home environment that's kind of too toxic to, to really engage in the recovery process? 
Boy, yeah. It really is up to the client if they want their family members involved. So, you know, that's their choice. But I do know there are some folks that are in treatment that do not have family that can go for a multitude of reasons. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's because family members just don't want to have anything to do with that individual any longer. That's a sad situation. And there are there are families, quite honestly, that are too toxic for someone to return home to. And those would be, you know, family members perhaps that that consume too much substance themselves. It's just a recipe for disaster to go home to people being intoxicated by their substance on a daily basis. And then there's a, the other kind of situation where family members simply cannot forgive because of their own belief systems what is going on with their loved one and they are not open to understanding that addiction is a brain disease. A therapist that's working with one of our clients one-to-one, you know, through the assessment process and through the sharing process in groups and in therapy gets a good picture of what their client is going to be returning to. And so what very often is done is it's recommended that the person not return to that environment and plans are made for going to some kind of recovery living situation or plans are made for the client to return to a household of their choosing, that's not the household that they came from. (laughs) (laughs) It is the goal to get everyone in the best possible immediate environment. What are the most prevalent issues for families that you see? Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it defensiveness? All the above? Number one is families not really being able to understand that the concept of my loved one has a brain disease. They can hear the words, but to really integrate it into their being takes some time. I also want to say the things that I see that people tend to continue with are really staying preoccupied with what their loved one is doing in recovery and focusing more still on that person instead of taking a look at, okay, what might I have contributed to this blow up, for example, that we just had and what might I need to change? And the, the tricky thing for all of us in life to learn is we can only control ourselves. We cannot control another person. And to really apply that to addictive disease and one's own behavior takes a lot of time. I do see a lot of anxiety, a lot of resentment that's built up over the years. And a lot of that turns into, I'm not ever going to trust this person again. There's a real fine line between, I'm not in control of what this person does. I'm only in control of myself. And how can we come together around this issue? Because as we know, addictive disease is like any other chronic disease, and it's bound to have some kind of recurrence at some level at some point, because it's a chronic disease. 
And that's hard. It's it's pretty yeah. hard to ask someone to prepare for something they don't want to happen. And that's one of my favorite sayings that, that I hear <laughs> around Sanford. Is that that's true. No matter what happens here, you're going to be okay. And the things that you are in control of are going to be okay because now you have support. Simply said, when someone has addictive disease, the process of that developing addiction impacts everyone. The person developing the disease has a relationship with. So the closer people are to someone developing the disease, the more disruption and the more impact they're going to have. Something that I initially have a hard time establishing with people in support groups is helping another person doesn't always mean doing something to them or for them directly. In recovery, it means every single person in the family works their own recovery program and we share our growth with each other. I guess when it comes to, you know, phases and processes, we start with people got high needs in the very beginning. (laughs) (laughs) If you listen to, they're vulnerable, they're scared, and they're on shaky ground. The whole family is because everybody's vulnerable. Every single person in that family is trying to change their behavior at the same time. And so there's a lot of, oops, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, or gee, we better look at this again. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of that. Mm -hmm. So the process is the more stable a family becomes in working their recovery programs, then the more in-depth we can go in how to support that process. I've sat in on on your groups before, and you're funny. I think you're very funny. I think everybody does. But how does so how does humor uh, impact the family recovery sessions? And do you use humor as sort of a therapy? I don't know that it's a therapy, but I have to say I think it's a great joy in life to laugh. It changes our brain chemistry. I do use humor in these groups. And the way that we do use humor is we kind of laugh at ourselves about our behavior and not that it's a yuck session and don't think of it as a comedy session because it's not. However, people can laugh at themselves. To me, it's a time where part of support is being able to feel comfortable and be who you are. And if you're going to laugh about something, go ahead and laugh. I've read somewhere that humor really only works when people relate on some level to what's being said. And in this particular setting, it seems like it's a safe place to just let off some steam. What I do love is that it's part of that closeness and that sharing and that common interest of of people where they can sort of make a joke about what they did. Others will laugh and say, yeah, I've done the same thing. And it really contributes to the camaraderie and the fellowship that happens in the group. To me, it's important that family members learn not to take every single event that happens so seriously that they can't laugh. And I have even had people in our groups, Marilyn, say, God, I haven't laughed like that in a long time. Thanks, you guys. Uh-huh. Thank you very much. This was this was very edifying. First of all, is there anything else you want to say about the family program or family recovery other than what we've already talked about? When it comes to this family program at Sanford, I think it's unique in that we offer ongoing support on three levels 
to family members of our clients. And we allow our family members to be in treatment with us as long as we allow our clients to be. And that's huge. And I think it is so appropriate and smart of Sanford to allow that to happen. There's so much more to getting a family to recover than just going through a brief education series or treatment. It's the practice of the principles that people learned that makes the difference. With you, the the long-term nature of it, where they, they get the, uh, the education about the disease, and then they go out and they live with this person mm-hmm. in recovery, and, and to, to be able to come back and, and just ask. I have to say, Marilyn, most people in phase one will be surprised at the feelings that they had. And so it's really important that they can come and they can sit down and say, oh my gosh, this happened. And I was really surprised how strongly I felt that. And part of the problem that goes along with healing is that people are not aware of the intensity of their their feelings and the depth of their feelings and thought. I think it's appropriate if you have any words of wisdom for families who particularly are embarking on this daunting task of getting a family member into treatment. Okay. The very first thing that I would say to someone who is preoccupied with what's going on with this person and spinning around is to stop keeping the secret. Oh, for heaven's sakes, talk to somebody you know and trust and say what your concerns are. It's stop keeping the secret. Then number two is get support for yourself before you open your mouth so that you're you're comfortable with what you believe and not be judging and not be controlling and not be demanding. You know, get some help. And so the help could be a therapist, certainly, that knows about addictive disease and the impact on family. At least do that or join a 12-step family-type meeting. Yeah, like Alan. Yep, Al-Anon and their Smart Recovery. So many people love that program that just feel like they can't relate to the 12-step concept. That's great. The other thing is learn as much as you can about the disease. You know, start reading. I was thinking about if, if there were just a few things that I would tell somebody to read, I would say read a book called Everything Changes by Beverly Conyers. Another book that's great is called Addict in the House. Another one that I think will follow people through many, many years of recovery is called The Recovery Book. And I was just introduced to a book uh, by someone in one of our support groups. The book is called Beyond Addiction, How Science and Kindness Help People Change. And that author is Jeffrey Foote. And then my last piece of advice is go ahead and leave that sitting around on your nightstand or or where you read. (laughs) Right. Go ahead. All right. Well, thank you very much, Carly. This was great. Thank you. I shall celebrate it with a smile and a joke. (laughs) 